songwriting for me is definitely a, a processing of emotions and processing of experience and then being able to put that through song. So the actual act of writing is healing in that sense. For all the artists out there, whatever your craft is, showing up is the first most important step and doing it on a regular basis. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously? And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. And hey, I might even read your review on a future episode. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. My guest today is Dango Rose, best known as a founding member of the transcendental folk band Elephant Revival. For 17 years, he traveled and performed internationally until, in 2018, the band went on indefinite hiatus. Now he has taken refuge in the recording studio to focus on songwriting collaborations with various other artists. Born with a poet's soul and a warrior's heart, Dango embraces his passion for music as a vital healing influence and a spiritual path. His life's journey has been one of profound transformation and creativity. Dango Rose, welcome to being. Dango Rose, what is up, my brother? Great to see you. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, this is so exciting. It's been a while since we've connected, so I'm really uh, excited to drop in with you, see where you're at, and see what you've been up to. Um, but before we sort of dive into that and like all the, the great success you've seen in music as a touring musician, a songwriter, collaborator, producer, artist empowerment coach, so much juicy stuff to dive into. But I want to just sort of you know start by checking in with you. Like, where are you at in this present moment? Who is Dango Rose right here, right now? What is alive for you in this moment? Well, I tell you, Pat, I'm drinking a nice cortado. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what my, that is. My favorite espresso drink, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, it couldn't be better, really. Uh, the the cold front's moving in here in Colorado. Uh, which is great for the fires right now. Uh, we're, we're hopefully going to get some snow this weekend, put out the flames. Uh, so, you know, just, just really been watching the smoke clouds roll around. Um, interesting time for sure. But overall I'm, I'm in Colorado. I'm, uh, in Boulder and got the recording studio back up and running, which is nice. It took a big hiatus there with the, mm. uh, with everything going on and, just really starting to get back in the groove of things. To awesome. Be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. It's been a challenging year for a lot of people and uh, no exception when it comes to musicians, especially recording artists and touring artists. So I feel you. Um, but we'll get into that in a second. Uh, just f- for people who don't or, or aren't familiar with your journey, um, you've been a touring musician uh, for 17 years, most notably with Elephant Revival. 
uh, an amazing band who pioneered the genre transcendental folk, which I absolutely love that. Uh, <laughs> and it's so true. It's like when you listen to that music, it's like, oh my God, it's bang on that description. It's awesome. Um, but I just want to ask you sort of uh, how, how has that journey been? Uh, like, what did you learn from being on the road for 17 years? What are some of the, the greatest challenges and the greatest lessons that you've learned? Well, you know, for one, you really learn how to live and operate in community or close family structures. Mm. Uh, you know, not that we were blood family, but of course it becomes that way. Uh, we're, we're the closest people in each other's lives. So we're mm. navigating the ups and downs together. We're, we're on the ride together. And we're really, for us, it was sort of like learning how to be human. Or We, we just grew up together. Um, mm. You know, I'd say most formulative years. Uh, so I probably started like, you know, 26 to maybe 25, 26 years old. So, I mean, we were already adults, but we were young adults. Um, so we, we experienced everything together. Um, and that's pretty amazing. And then, um, mm. you know, post, post all that, uh, then we sort of go into more exploring the relationships and, you know, everything that occurred within them and all the growth and all the healing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we became each other's uh, greatest teachers. And luckily, mm -hmm. we were able to tour for 13 years in Elephant Revival. I was on the road since 2000, 2000 to 2018, pretty much. And, you know, you might have to, uh, sometimes it's easier to tell stories when somebody reminds me of something that happened. Yeah. To, to be honest. <laughs> Is there anything that jumps out at you? Oh, there's so many great road stories out there. <laughs> yeah, there really is. But one recently, I was remembering, it was sort of at the beginning of our touring. So we were in an old veggie oil school bus uh, that my buddy Sage converted. And I think it was 2008, maybe 2009. And after a gig at this place called The Hog Wallow in Salt Lake City, we get in the bus and we're going over the Wasatch Range. And uh, we, we crest the uh, top of the summit, and there's an overturned vehicle with this uh, young man, half in, half out. And we were the first ones on the scene. It was uh, uh, who knows what happened, really. And But we all got out of the bus. We surrounded him, uh, telling him, you know, he's going to be okay. Uh, he was sort of going in and out of consciousness. And then Bonnie, my, my friend Bonnie from the band, just started singing to him. And then the the medics got there and we kind of went back to our bus and it was almost like we were never there it was just like a phantom occurrence right and then i remember uh checking out the salt lake city newspapers a little bit later on and uh it was like a 18 year old star baseball player who said that like this he was surrounded by like this I, band of angels or like this these these beings were around him but he was in and out of consciousness and one was singing to him and that like, that's what helped him hold on. Um, wow. I just remember that story. It sort of came back to me recently of like a profound experience. And, but we were never there. You know right. what I mean? Like we were there, but we weren't there. So that was, that was kind of, kind of a magical experience. And I think he made a full recovery, which was really nice to hear. Wow. I'm getting chills just listening to that story, man. Just the power of holding space for somebody that's on that edge, you know, easily slip into, into death or to come back to this life and for you guys to hold that space. Wow. That's, that's incredibly powerful. Very cool. Uh, you mentioned relationships, obviously within the band. Um, that's a, that's a powerful thing to navigate. Uh, but I'm curious about relationships outside of the band. Uh, I, I would imagine I've never been a touring musician like you have. Um, it's always been something I've been attracted to, but it just never came into my orbit. But I can imagine that being on the road like that for so much time, it has to be challenging for your personal relationships, e especially if you don't have a romantic partner, for example, within the band or touring with you uh, or with family or with close friends. Like if you're not around and present in the res those relationships, it's got to be straining. Is that was that true for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're kind of always transitioning uh, yeah. from on the road to off the road. And then like the periods between where you're sort of like, okay, I'm going to settle it back into what it's like at home or pick up where I left off on these projects and then reconnecting with loved ones or community or, you know, your closest intimate relationship. And 
the transition of it all made it hard to, to sink in because by the time you actually sink in, you're actually getting ready to go on the road again. Mm. So I think for the touring musician, it, it is really challenging um, because the pace, the pace, they're just totally different. And, mm. and the, the periods of transition in between are sort of needed for dropping back into where you are. Um, and then, but when you get home, you know, there's needs waiting for you there and totally mm. understandable. This is life. Um, and especially when musicians have families, you know, mm. it's like so much gets neglected, I think on the internal level and, uh, that builds up over time. And mm. I think we see that in touring musicians, uh, you know, with challenges in mental health or challenges in relationship, uh, marriages falling apart, and then also health. Um, mm. I, I don't think all the health-related issues are necessarily drug-related or alcohol-related anymore. I mean, it is a hard sort of grind uh, to be on the road, but I think I think it's hard for musicians uh, touring, the touring lifestyle, to be able to actually get the nurturing care you need Um from the earth. Yeah. Because you're wow, moving man. so fast. Yeah, no, totally. I totally get it. And that, it brings up something for me that uh, I read in one of your um, other uh, interviews about music being medicine and how now you sort of embrace, embrace a passion for music as a vital healing influence and a spiritual path. Can you speak to that for a second? Yeah. And that's what, you know, would keep us on the road and, and still yeah. keeps it going today is that, the experience of the live music performance uh, is sort of that sharing in medicine and can really help influence people in their lives, making uh, decisions more conducive mm. to following their dreams, uh, to recognizing, you know, what each individual's unique talents and gifts are. And somehow music is a catalyzing force that allows that to happen. Uh, time, space time sort of turns back on itself. Um, and people are able to sink in deeper. It's, it is medicine. I mean, that's similar to even like the mm. medicine I, you know, um, thinking about, uh, entheogens or, you know, stuff like that. Like that's sort of what time turns in on itself. And I, I think mm. when bands like the Grateful Dead, you know, obviously the era in the sixties and seventies, uh, like that was, to me, the essence of it was it was being able to play around with space time mm. and the live music experience creates that opportunity. And we've seen that. And also some of the great festivals out there, you know, it creates a container for this to happen. So people are having moving experiences, which then help them gain more clarity and direction in life. Mm. Yes, I couldn't agree more. It's so powerful. Music has that that medicine uh, power, that transformative power that I think uh, you know I've definitely felt and experienced from both sides, being an audience member and a performer. And it's just uh, it's a profound transformational container in the right circumstances. Um, you mentioned the Grateful Dead, and it's that brings up something for me about collective consciousness, which I'm really uh, and collective intelligence, which I'm really passionate about exploring. And I'm a big Deadhead, always have been from you know from when I was a kid. My elder brothers were into it, and I saw a bunch of shows with Jerry and had that experience. It's like wow. A really transformative, but I didn't, I didn't really get it because I was so young. And now, as I grow and I um, deepen into my spiritual practice and my personal transformation, I have more affinity, more understanding of what they were doing. And really, they were pioneers in in collective consciousness. They were like, like really out there on the frontiers and experimenting with what happens when you create that container, like you're talking about, where. Everybody enters it with the same intentions for the best good and to explore and to be fully creative and self-expressed in their uniqueness, but also contributing to the whole. And then you see what can happen when you all tune into a flow, into a harmony, into a frequency together. And so, and so they would go off into these unexplored realms and sometimes they would fall flat on their face, but when they didn't, then they nailed it and they got into flow together. That's, and I'm getting chills about it. Just thinking, you know, it, that's when, you know, the grateful dead were at their peak. And I, you know, I'm curious what kind of experiences you had within Elephant Revival? Did you explore in those realms and what were your experiences? It's so interesting too, because I, I think back to like the, the, 
the yogic rituals or like uh, Yogananda or some of these rich histories in almost every world tradition that are essentially mm. induced or worked on or practiced to create flow state. Mm. And it was just the American cultural way of that time to yeah. induce collective flow state. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's pretty amazing. Uh, uh, what was your question? Well, just it, it- what was your experience with having sort of collective uh, consciousness, collective flow state within Re- Elephant Revival? Yeah. You know, for us, it, it wasn't as much about the free improvisation or anything like that, mm. uh, but it was the intention that went into each song. Um, mm. Kind of each song had a purpose or a meaning. And that wasn't like we were trying to create that like as a facade. It was just how naturally all the writers in the band would write. Mm. and then that could be felt because like in the birthing process of a song there's like an energy that actually exists and so that creates outward into the world and then with the precision of the performance we became very precise Mm. and i attribute a lot of that to uh working with the colorado symphony uh, for probably three or four shows and just having to really lock in in a different way but then that really became how we approached our music with like precision. And there'd still be elements of improvisation within it. Uh, but we, we became very tight, very solid. Mm. And also when you play like 1200 shows together, that will just naturally <laughs> happen. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it was there. I mean, it was, it was there at our shows. And, um, that's what kept me, I mean, that's what kept me on the road Yeah, is knowing that, that that was happening. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a transformative collective flow state when you were all just like totally synced in, locked in with purpose, intention, clarity, focus, precision. Like that's like, oh man, does that feel good? And you're delivering on the emotional side. It's, it's almost like. Once you have, you know, if you're a guitar player and you're learning your licks, you got to know your scales. But once you know your scales, you can then inject the emotion and the, not necessarily the improvisation, but just the, the free flowingness into your performance. And so, you know, uh, I, again, I haven't toured or played as much as you have, but it, from my experience, when you, when you play with people enough, you get into that flow state and it's like, fuck, you are in the zone, you know, and just everything is flowing bang on. And it just feels like you said, time and space evaporate. It's just, you are transcendental in that moment. Yeah. Nicely said, Patrick. (laughs) It becomes like second nature, nature almost like reflexes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Amazing. And, And I think the transcendental element of it, um, yeah, I mean, you said it so well. And then we were always mm. so sort of connected to the nature around us. Mm. Um, where, you know, we were living in the deep mountains. It was great. I would get home off the road and I'd be in Eldora, Colorado, which is like right on the edge of the Continental Divide. Uh, as far as far up against the mountain as you could get. And, but I'd still be 75 minutes from DIA, Denver International right. Airport. So it was right. like, had this interesting interesting life at the time. Perfect. Uh, I'm curious to ask you about um, creativity, specifically songwriting within a group situation. Uh, From what I understand, there was numerous writers, not just one in Elephant Revival. So how did that process work for you guys? Like, did people bring songs to rehearsal or what was that process like for you guys? You know, it was more collaborative at the, at the beginning uh, Mm -hmm. where, there was more co-writing going on. Um, and then over time, it, everybody would just sort of bring songs and then we'd all arrange it together and sort of just put it through like this almost like uh, spin cycle of a washing machine. Mm. Try this, try that, throw this against the wall, change a word here or there, flip things around, add a couple of chords. If people heard specific, you know, violin parts, you know, we, we'd spell those out. Mm. um but yeah it was it was collaborative and then it was also deeply personal mm. did that bring up conflict at any time yeah yeah i would say so i i think mm. just in the natural order of things 
Yeah. Um, it was, it was healthy conflict for the most part. Mm. Um, but then on the same level, we're not, we're not, uh, performing together right now or recording. So hard, hard telling. <laughs> well, that leads me into my next question. So elephant revival officially went on hiatus in 2018, I believe. Um, and sort of meeting you around that time, I was, you know, witness to some of the deep processes you were going through. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you, like, how has the end of Elephant Revival affected you? You know, what's been your experience post the group and what are some of the lessons you've learned in that process? Yeah, out of, out of Elephant Revival, I, I uh, got into the recording studio pretty much right away. And just started mm. working with artists. And this is where you and I connected to and doing this artist empowerment program. Yeah. And getting people sort of just in the flow <clears throat> of what it uh, takes to create and maintain that sort of sustainable creativity mm. within the context of everything else going on in your life on a, on a regular basis. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so that was really cool. It was like getting off the road and going on hiatus and then sharing almost like what the creative experiences that, um, that we've learned over uh, nearly two decades mm-hmm. and how to implement that into daily life for anyone. Um, yeah. Anybody can add creative practices and sustain them in daily life. And then also the collaborative process of being able to work on songs together, uh, throw stuff back and forth and then, get into the recording studio and go through like a whole recording process in a supportive Mm. environment where everybody in the program is kind of supporting each other uh, with, you know, also guidance along the way. Um, So that was fun. That Uh, was fun. (laughs) That was fun. And then, um, and then in that process, I realized I was sort of uh, um, bailing off my, my own, uh, process as well. So then I just kind of delved back into creative flow for a while. And then as I was, uh, mm-hmm. reaching that balance point and, uh, getting ready to sort of figure out whatever the next step was, I mean, this has been about two and a half years, uh, you know, yeah. the pandemic hit and then I really just, uh, I had already practiced. I had already practiced. It was like, I was, I had already been on hiatus, I guess you could mm, say. Right. So the pandemic didn't actually change my life that much at the beginning, except I had to close down all operations of every single thing I was doing. <laughs> so there's that. So there is that. Um, <laughs> my entire calendar got you know wiped clean uh, uh-huh. at the beginning of March, and I was uh-huh. I was at the time I was working with my buddy Rosh in the Blind Cafe, uh, which is uh, concerts in the complete 100% pitch black uh, with a blind wait staff and everybody sort of gets led into this whole dark space and there's a social discussion uh, there's question and answer and there's like even like programs like dismantling racism uh, because you take visual 100% out of the picture and then we play uh, music for 45 minutes wow and so that's where I was actually focusing my interests and efforts uh, at the beginning of 2020. Um, so this was after the artist empowerment. Right. And then there was the phase of like, must find my inner artist again. Uh-huh. And then it was like, okay, uh, going to do the blind cafe, get the studio open and, you know, do more artist empowerment work. Mm. Um, and then with the blind cafe, we had shows booked all over the world actually uh, for the second half of 2020 with uh some different corporations, some government activities, and then public appearances as well. Um, so all that was like going. But yeah, you know, just like so many of us, then everything, it's, it's amazing how much was wiped clean yeah. off the books uh, in the yeah. entertainment industry and events. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's a profound lesson in non-attachment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah welcomed welcomed or not uh yeah man Uh, i'm curious like well within that context also elephant revival you know there's uh 
uh, and I'm speaking from my experience, whenever something ends, be it a relationship in a band or a romantic relationship or, or some or job even or something, there's, there's a, uh, a period of space after that we need to go through the grieving process, I guess you would call it, and some healing. And the tendency, um, definitely for a lot of people, myself included, is to just sort of jump right into something else in the hopes that we can distract ourselves from the pain enough for it to heal itself. And so we just don't have to deal with it. So did you have any sort of that experience where, you know, okay, you said you got into the studio almost immediately, but were you able to open the space to allow yourself to properly grieve from the band? Well, and that's why I pulled back. Right. Um, you know, after we did that first program, right. um, you know, I realized I, I did jump the gun in, in a sense. I mean, it was, it was still awesome, but there was still a lot of healing work to be done. Mm. And, um, yeah, the, the past two and a half years has been uh, a period of immense growth and healing, mm. pretty much examining and exploring all the relationships, taking ownership for, for my part in them, mm. uh, you know, for things that were challenging and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful, I mean, I could, man. I could go deeply into it, but to what end, <laughs> Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I love going deep. So it's as deep as you want to go, but I'll just say this is that the artist empowerment program that, um, that you spearheaded and I was honored to be a part of, I think, one of the biggest attributes, one of the biggest um, points of value for the people that did go on that journey with us was how raw and open and vulnerable you were willing to be. And I think that is a sign of incredible uh, courage and power and leadership, even when you know the, nothing, everything isn't perfect in your life, still showing up and being honest about it, but still being able to hold space for other people. And I think that's the sign of immense uh, power, courage and leadership. So I just want to honor you for that. Uh, it was a pleasure to witness, and that whole experience was profound for me as well. Um, Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see what comes next. I know you've been recording. Um, you've been releasing your own music. You've got some singles out this year and another one coming. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so over, over the past like 13 years, I've pretty much been recording, went off the road. Um, mm. and so now, uh, after not releasing music for, for that, that amount of time, uh, that's the plan. So for 2021, it's like, I got probably four EPs together. I'm going to get back in the studio in November with my friend, Sam Birchfield, uh, who lives in Atlanta and Sage Cook, one of my old bandmates. And we're going to work on recording about six songs in a few weeks. I have a single coming out on November 13th. That one's called Life's Too Short. And then uh, previously, I just released one on September 25th called Ring Out uh, that is available on Spotify. So there's a lot actually going on. Um, <laughs> and then uh, also, I just reopened the studio, uh, the recording studio here in Boulder, Colorado, uh, about a week ago. And I'm starting to work with people more one-on-one. -on -one in uh, the production of their songs. Amazing. Congratulations. That must feel good. Thanks, man. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It feels good to be yeah. active and to finally get the music out there, almost like a, as a chronicle of the past uh, 13 years of experience. Amazing. Yes. I've heard the singles you've released so far, so I'm really excited for the next one. It sounds amazing. It sounds like you've really uh, embraced your voice. You know, I heard you described as, um, what was it? Leonard Cohen meets, oh, fuck, I can't remember the other one, but it, it was a perfect description. You just, you have such a uniqueness to your sound and your voice and the music that just, it just cuts through. Like, it's like nothing else I've ever heard before. So really excited for the next single. Right on. Yeah. At some point you just got to got to go for it, I guess. You just got to embrace it, right? I, I, well, that's the beautiful thing about it. It's all of us have these unique, beautiful gifts and we like, we get scared about sharing them. Oh, they're not good. We compare ourselves to other people. It's like, fuck all that. Just be yourself fully and own it, right? That's where your power is. So that, I've been really inspired by you taking that on. Right on, man. And I'm inspired by you in the same way. And I think that's sort of the sort of the thing too. It's like, everybody's got to have their life experience and go through everything that, you know, constitutes the ups and downs and healing and growth and all the transformation. And then how can we best 
sort of instill that in, mm. you know, younger generations to, mm. uh, you know, what happens if you find this out before, before we did, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think that's yeah. sort of been going on through time immemorial, right? <laughs> totally. <It's> like, <laughs> It's, it seems to be accelerated though in these times, like, you know, I think in the past, these transformations or these lessons were learned over generations. Now it just seems like the curve is exponential. It's like shit's happening. Like we didn't have the internet when we were teenagers, dude. Like that's crazy. <laughs> the world is a profoundly different place in the last 20 years than it was for a hundred years, a thousand years before that. So, um, yeah, I think time is really accelerating in a way that has caught a lot of us off guard. Like we're, we're still human beings evolving at a very slow pace, but wait a minute, we have like artificial intelligence and all these algorithms, you know, following us around online. It's crazy. It's crazy times. Yeah, it's an exponential growth pattern of the algorithm, the artificial intelligence, all the technology, yet it, uh, it's exponentially growing, but the earth, uh, isn't able to keep up. Yeah. And human beings aren't able to keep up either. I heard it described as um, technology is growing exponentially. And so now we have the power of gods to affect, you know, the entire planet with one push of a button, but we don't have the wisdom and the love and the courage of gods to know how to use that power responsibly. So we're at this crossroads where if we don't figure this shit out, like it's, it could be over real soon, you know? So that's why I think the work that you've done and that we've done together in, in personal transformation within creativity is so, so powerful because this is the work that needs to be done on the micro level in order for all of us to, to rise up together. Would you agree with that? Absolutely agree with that. And the shifts and the changes are so subtle. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a lot of, a lot of people are like, like you said, even like skipping the phases of the grieving process after loss. Yeah. yeah. The shifts are so subtle that you, you have to be able to, take the time yeah still it's like everything's moving fast but you somehow have to still be able to take the time necessary totally. to integrate it absolutely so yeah where do we find that balance yeah and, and actually doing the work because i know from from my personal experience um you know, I felt really disempowered as an individual. It's like, what, you know, the world is so fucked up. There's so much money and power, you know, um, and control. Like, how can I as one individual make any fucking difference? And that dropped me into deep, deep depression until I realized, wait a minute, that's just a conditioning that I've been taught that I'm powerless, that I should live in fear that, you know? And so once you sort of realize, wait a minute, I have incredible power of creativity and expression and healing within me. And once I embrace that, I was like, okay, if I can create from that space, then I can ripple out that energy through music or creativity or whatever, you know, through love, whatever it might be. And that has incredible power and it's, and it's multiplies over like it ripples out is what I'm trying to say in an exponential way. Right. Absolutely. And that's kind of what you're doing in this podcast too, is sort of bringing that all to light, which is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Which is why it's so powerful for me. I get to have conversations like this with, with people like you who have unique, genuine, honest uh, experiences. And by having this conversation and opening up the dialogue to a larger audience, like we all get to collectively learn and collectively heal together. You know, there's so many of these issues of mental health or addiction of just, they get swept under the rug and then they continue on generationally you know, until we have this ancestral line of alcoholism or, you know, uh, uh, domestic abuse or mental health or whatever it is. And it's not because you're genetically an alcoholic or any of those other things. It's because they haven't been addressed in the present moment. So there's such power in being able to address them and, and shift those ancestral lines, right? Absolutely. And, and then in doing that work yourself, you're actually doing the healing work for your ancestral line, like you said. Totally. And totally. that, that's a hard concept to grasp. It's like, it oh, this work that I'm doing right now is actually invoking healing properties for my deceased great grandmother. Mm. So powerful. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of profound, and it's hard to wrap the mind around. It is, yeah. Um, but then, but then you're also the healing I'm doing now is for the benefit of uh, whatever DNA I'm going to pass down. My totally. line, you know, absolutely. Of, of everybody that's around you and everybody that you interact with, everybody that you love, you know, all of it. And that ripples out. And the more of us that can do that on an individual level, that's where our power is, right? So we're it not is. powerless. And like, 
the patterns can shift so quickly. I think this yeah. is something that I've been struggling with, uh, with like uh, sort of new age teachings and then older teachings, right? Mm. Um, like change and transformation can happen in the snap of a finger. Totally. Right? Like it yeah. can just, a switch can go on and there's like these aha moments. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, well, there's still the benefit of, you know, doing the meditation retreat or like just focusing on, uh, emptiness, you know, mm. or like, like, uh, there, like where is that balance between the old ways and the new ways? Mm. And if we, if we get too hard in like one of them and not the other, then are we, are we going forth in like a spiritual, uh, transmission state, uh, without mm. ground and, uh, are some people getting caught up, you know, in the spiritually materialistic side of mm. things and just mm. believing, Oh, I can change it like that without actually putting in the ground foundational work yeah. of, of practice. Yeah. That's more of just a question. Yeah. You know? And what's, what's coming up for me is actually a musical uh, analogy where, you know, you see these overnight successes where people just come out of nowhere and they've got a number one hit or whatever, but it's because They've done the, the, the work, the foundational work to get to that point. And it's the same with having a transformational experience. If you know, you have to put in the work of daily practices in order to, for that sort of compounding effect, when you get to that aha moment and you do break through, it's because you've been doing the work on a cumulative basis, right? So um, maybe this is a good point to ask you, like, what, what are some of the practices and techniques you use to stay grounded and healthy and creative? You know, some of it's really simple. Uh, hmm. Getting good exercise pretty much every yeah. day. That's huge. Uh, good sleep. So honestly, you know, it's like it starts with sleep and exercise. Like there's yeah. nothing There's nothing more about it. Make sure that you're, you're being <laughs> good to your body, right? Yeah. And then from there, uh, meditation disciplines, yoga practice, uh, communing with nature. Um, I notice that when I get off the path of actually taking walks um, to split up my day, and uh, I, usually I do it with a, mm. with a mala, with 108 beads. So this is more in like a yogic discipline. But for mindset, you know, it's like we have positive affirmations at times, right? You know, where we'll, we'll, we'll have something written down and we'll just remind ourselves of it. Uh, but one of my great practices that um, I attribute to a lot of being able to change my mindset is taking those malas and not doing some mantra in Sanskrit that I don't understand, <laughs> but just saying, I am grateful mm. 108 times or something as simple as thank you. I love you. I am grateful. Mm. And uh, at, at the periods of times in my life where I took the time to take a walk in nature, even if it's, you know, not like fully immersed in the woods or whatever, but when I take the time to do that up to three times a day, which ends up being, 324 times of saying mm. I am grateful, mm. there is actually a profound shift that occurs mm. by just repeating something that simple. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's an indication of how powerful you are. You know, if you, if you focus your conscious intention and your conscious awareness in in one direction towards gratitude, you can profoundly shift your state in the present moment. And that's how powerful all of us are. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. And they are simple practices, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I do with my clients and with myself. Like, let's keep it simple. Do something that's manageable that resonates with you. Uh, I do gratitude journaling and meditation and some kind of movement every day, even if I'm feeling like shit and more so if I'm feeling like shit, you know, because it sets me up for success because it's too easy to just wallow and it's like, oh, I don't feel like it today. I feel shitty. I'm, I'm in pain or something hurts or I'm depressed, you know, and then you just wallow in that you're feeding that energy. So, but you can conscious, and I'm not, not trying to say you should avoid those feelings because there's great lessons in those as well, but you don't want to wallow in them. You can learn those lessons and consciously choose to shift towards something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's so good to have focus, you know, even mm. in these transitionary times where it's like, well, it's almost like another question I have right now. It's like, well, when do I take the time? Like, it's like knowing that something is here to process, right? Mm. Or, or like there's an aspect of a, a relationship or something to sort of go through um, a healing with. Mm. So, but you got to focus at the same time, mm. you know? Yeah. You got to show up 
Yeah. Um, so it's, it's finding the balance points. Um, For sure. Oh, actually, one thing that I started doing, uh, you, you did this with me uh, when you were in Boulder. Uh, remember Light Club? Oh, it was awesome. It was so great. Yes, yeah, this thing called the Healy Light, which creates a spectrum of white light that uh, sort of replicates uh, almost like a visual field of a hallucinogenic experience. Oh my God, it was so awesome. It's so much it's so much fun. So I do this every week now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, where Epic. I get under the light and it's like, it's where I process the entire week. So I spend like wow. 60 to 90 minutes under the light in a meditative state. And usually it's just like a whole processing thing that happens. Um, yeah, so maybe uh, maybe I'll hook you up with Chuck again, and he can maybe be on this podcast. Who knows? That would be epic. Yeah, that was such a profound experience. Thanks for uh, reminding me about it. Yeah, it was amazing. Hey, are you feeling lost, anxious, frustrated by the state of the world? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Maybe you're even distracting yourself from the pain with things like alcohol, social media, Netflix, gambling, shopping. I know. I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls just like you in taking back creative control of your life, finding a deeper sense of purpose, and building a solid foundation of certainty even in such uncertain times. This is exactly why I have created the Fuck Yes Club, a six-week online journey that will begin on November 11th, 2020. I am looking for 15 to 20 badasses who are ready to supercharge their powers of manifestation as the conscious creators of their own reality. This program is for people who are tired of living in uncertainty and fear, sick of living up to somebody else's standards, fed up with not fulfilling their highest potential. This is for the people who are ready to tap into their infinite well of creative power and start creating the life they have always wanted. We are in the midst of a massive transition. Great change is upon us, and we're being called to grow and evolve in ways that we may have been avoided. Is it your time? Are you ready? There are only two answers here, people. No and fuck yes. If you are in the fuck yes category, then immediately go to www.thefuckyesclub.com and sign up. Entry closes at 11.11 p.m. on November 11th. There's limited space, so head on over to www.thefuckyesclub.com right now for more information and to secure your spot. Now, back to the show. Cool, man. So uh, I want to shift gears a bit and and talk about um, success because this is one of my favorite topics to, to, to discuss with my guests. And the question is, what is your definition of success and how has it changed over time? You know, in, with the band, it was like really clear. It's like, okay, we're, we're headlining Red Rocks. We're playing Newport Folk Festival. We're playing with the Colorado Symphony. It's like on some level, you know, it's mm. like, oh, we've achieved success, right? Right. Um, and of course that felt great, especially since it was such a long held dream, uh, to mm. take a band and achieve those types of things. Right. Mm. So, but then since then, or e even during the process, like it's, it's never necessarily been about material things for me, uh, mm. in any way. Um, it's more relatable to like how true am I being uh, to myself, to those around me and to the essence of the work. And there's a feeling that happens when like things feel true, I guess you could say. Mm. So success is sort of at this point staying in alignment mm. with uh A lot, it's staying in alignment with uh, the essence of self, uh, the essence of truth, and and uh, being able to share that, whether it's through music or or teaching or mentoring, mm. um, in a way that is of benefit to all beings, 
Yeah. You know? And, and then also, um, yeah, being able to know and experience more, more joy mm -hmm. in, uh, in everyday activities and also the mundane. And then realizing that, you know, those experiences ultimately are all that we have and they become memories and stories. Mm. And to know that at, at the end of the day, I want to be able to, you know, share these stories in mm. ways that are like uplifting and to know that it's been a life lived well. Yeah. Or life well lived. <laughs> all, the, all the above. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So what came up for me when you're just talking about success specifically within the band or, or just within your own self is, you know, staying present, staying true to yourself, staying in alignment, but then having the, the challenge of rectifying that with the capitalist system that we live in, where we need to be offering value on some monetary level, you know, so that's been a challenge for me. Um, you know, staying true to my alignment, but still having the the forethought or the ambition to continue to make a living, you know, and, and striking the balance between those two things that uh, I can't imagine that was easy within the band. Like how, what was your experience with man managing finances, uh, managing songwriter splits, uh, all that kind of stuff? You know, it was actually easier in the band. Uh, <laughs> at, at a time, it just sort of became uh, self-perpetuating, you know? It's like, right. uh, at the beginning, you know, definitely a lot of management and projection, but mostly, you know, since I wasn't educated in, in actual business, it was all just sort of in my head and sort of like right. playing with numbers and just seeing things. And it was really fun. I absolutely loved it, especially when it was something kind of outside of, uh, just something I was doing for myself. Um, so, uh, and then at, at some point it was like the projections of the band were looking so good if we had kept going, you know? Right. So we were like uh, right at that tipping point. Right. And so then it's been a relearning process um, since the band, you know, decided to, to stop and go on hiatus at that point to uh, take a look at what it takes to earn well now and to maintain a life as an mm -hmm. artist. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's, that's just been peaks and valleys. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, I, you know, I think that's the next, and I know a lot of your guests are, um, you know, really awesome, high, high quality functioning mm. dudes and women, <laughs> humans, uh, that, uh, you know, are successful as entrepreneurs, you know, um, mm. uh, and that's, that's amazing. Um, mm. I'm not driven by, I'm not driven by money. Mm. Um, but I, I do see how it is such an important step in the maturation uh, in adult life. Mm. So for me, it's still a work in progress. For sure. <laughs> likewise, brother. Likewise. <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of the things I've learned about it and that's shifted my mindset around money is that you know, when we are these heart-centered artists or entrepreneurs um, with a powerful message, with a powerful message of healing uh, and good intention, then it is within our right and our duty to magnify that and amplify that as much as possible so that that positively does ripple out. And one of the ways to do that is through money. You know, mm. money becomes an amplifier of your message, you know, so it's not like this evil thing. Oh, I just, I don't want it. It's, it's ugly or it's, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but it actually becomes a tool at your disposal in order to fulfill your purpose, you know? And so that, that's been a shift in mindset for me. That's really been profound. It's like, okay, yes, I am, um, here with honest intention to make a positive impact. So I do want money. I do want to amplify my message, you know? And not from a greed or materialistic perspective, from purely good intention. Because the people that are running the world, they got lots of money, right? So if we're going to compete on any level, right? What's coming up for yeah, you? Yeah, it's an incredibly, incredibly healthy perspective. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I'm ready. I, I, you know, I'm ready to get my feet back in that water. There's, uh, 
Yeah, again, you know, uh, it's so interesting, Pat, because like I said, it was like working with Elephant Revival to the point where it was like, oh my God, the projections look really good. It's mm. like, we'll be in the top, you know, 2% of, of bands out there within like two or three years or wow. maybe 5%, right? It's like, it's like, okay, working all this time has cre- created this and then that stopped. And then, um, and then at the beginning of this year, it was, it was sort of the same thing as like, oh my God, the projections look good again. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. Like, <laughs> and then COVID happened. Oh, shit. So I, I have a very interesting relationship with it because I keep getting to this point and then it, mm. then it fades away. Mm. So, um, uh, not, not to say though, because it goes back to gratitude. I'm grateful for everything I do have. Totally. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and, the, but yeah. and there's so much to be grateful for. And that's why, you know, tuning into that gratitude energetically every morning is so powerful because you can easily talk yourself out of it and say, poor me and drop into victimhood. Look at all my suffering. Look what I've had to go through with, wait a minute, look at well, look at all I have, you know? And it can, for me, it's as simple as I've got a roof over my head. I've got food, clean water. I've got love. You know, I've got safety. I've got freedom. Like, holy shit, I'm doing really fucking good. You know? So just tuning into that gratitude every day. And then that sets you up for success in other ways, you know, monetarily included. So it does. That's a power. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, like just last week, just, uh, getting the studio up and running and then being like, Oh, cool. Uh, I don't mm. even have to market it actually. Yeah. It's like somehow just putting the intention out there. It just starts. Yeah. Coming. Beautiful. So Mag- magnetically. It's awesome. Do you see, uh, an elephant revival reunion on the horizon at all? We, we kind of had one back in August, which was really okay. great. We did an amazing live stream live event. Um, that wasn't actually Elephant Revival, but it kind of turned out to be very much like Elephant <laughs> Revival, you know? So uh, anything's possible, but nothing mm. is, is really clear at this time. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Cool. Uh, so I want to ask you about creativity and specifically your own creativity. What is your current relationship with it? How would you describe it? Uh, it it kind of informs most of my days, I guess you would say. Mm. Uh, so I, I make time for it. I make mm. sure that I actually make time for it. So it's like part of the work is actually just showing up. Yeah. Um, so if I'm if I'm really busy, I'll still make sure that I spend 45 minutes or so with an instrument in my hand or looking at an old song, mm. maybe doing a demo recording. Uh, right now for writing, um, things feel like really uh, sort of just compressed where I live. So for writing, actual writing right now, I'm trying to get out of town for mm. like little weekend retreats that I take myself on. Cool. Uh, but for the practice elements, I'm pretty much make, maintaining that as a daily practice. Mm. Yeah, that's great advice. Carving out time every day, just like your daily practices with everything. You know, you have to show up uh, for the muse to arrive, right? And some days it does and some days it doesn't. But you got your job is to show up, right? Yeah, your job is to show up. It, <laughs> it really is. You invoke. Yeah. yeah. To give that possibility. Yeah. So to that end, where, uh, where do you think creativity comes from? Is it internally generated externally a combination? I think it's a combination, uh, but mm. more so, you know, I'd say that we're, we're, we're just channels. Yeah. So it, it also a way of processing emotions. Uh, songwriting for me is definitely a, a processing of emotions and processing of mm. experience and then being able to put that through song. Um, so the actual act of writing is healing in that sense. Mm. And, you know, that's also what I try to teach at times too, in writing Mm. workshops to be able to sink Mm. into that. Um, and then creativity also just comes from listening to the spaces in between sound and the silence. Also, um, yeah, getting, 
making sure that you're you're spending that time doing the resourcing mm. and that's sort of like where creativity tends to come through then on another level like uh, i know that for for a lot of years you were kind of writing jingles and stuff oh yeah many and many the, years and that's incredibly creative too so it's like you're you're forced sometimes having that pressure is good too and then along that line so when my buddy uh Sam is in town, Sam Birchfield, who I'll be recording with next month. Um, we, we write every time we're together in town and we co-write, but we all, we always have a time limit because like, you know, he's got to catch a plane back to Atlanta or we have mm. something going on. So we actually have a time limit. So there is something mm. to be said about working under, under pressure too. Oh yeah. hundred uh, percent. I probably would get nothing done if I didn't have deadlines and that's, <laughs> Uh, but I, having said that working with a deadline, I am able to be incredibly creative, even when I'm not feeling it hundred percent or not feeling good, you know, just because I continue to show up every day, you know, and, and be in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's absolutely something to be said about that for all the artists out there, whatever your craft is showing up is the first most important step and doing it on a regular basis. And, um, creating that as your number one routine as a yes. creative. And um, that's, that's been a, a big struggle for me is scheduling. Uh, I'm not so good at scheduling. And so uh, setting a schedule and setting a deadline for myself is, is challenging, but so, so important. And I find I get way, way more, more done. So true. And it's almost yeah. counterintuitive to like schedule in creative time. Totally. And that's why I resisted it. It's like, wait, I'm a free flowing creative artist. I don't need to schedule. It's like, well, actually you do. <laughs> yeah. Especially as life gets more complex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Were you supported as a child in being creative? That's funny you ask. Um, no, uh, oh, you know, interesting. pretty simply no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then like sort of at times, but you know, uh, pretty much uh, it was, it was part of my individuation phase as a right. young teenager Right, was, you know, kind of rebelling and getting together with my friends and forming mm. a band and um, doing it like, like all those kids do. I grew up uh, where like the breakfast, the breakfast club was filmed and Ferris Bueller's day off. No way. In, what, Chicago? So, yeah. Yeah, just wow. outside of Chicago in the northern burbs, right? Awesome. So, and, and those, it's amazing how well those kinds of movies actually reflected what life was like where I grew up. <laughs> awesome. Do you, did you ever get stage fright performing? Big stages, definitely no. Uh, the bigger the stage, the less stage fright. Why is that? Man, uh, it's just, it's hard to explain. I don't know why that is. It is, but I know that in the more intimate settings, like let's say at a small coffee shop or a bookstore playing entirely acoustic and doing like singer songwriter mm. stuff, mm. total stage fright. Wow. Interesting. I guess on the big stages, it's not as vulnerable. Yeah. Um, That's so counterintuitive, but totally understandable at the same time. It's like when you're in the, the coffee house or whatever, it's like you're, you're face to face with people, you know, you can hear them breathing. So it's a lot more real and visceral, you know, at Red Rocks, there's lights and a distance between you and the audience. Like that's a big difference. Yeah. The interesting thing about Red Rocks though, is somehow that, that big amphitheater feels like a living room. Oh, wow. It's awesome. amazing. It's, it really is. There's something, yeah, it's incredibly magical. Yeah, it is a magical space. I actually went there after the Artist Empowerment Program retreat, um, but unfortunately there was no shows scheduled at the time. So, but I did stand and feel the, the energy of the venue and it's super powerful. So that'll be on my list for post-COVID touring. Go check out a show. Hopefully you're playing and I can come see you play. Yeah, either way, let's go to a show together. It'd be great. Totally. It's, it's long overdue. <laughs> awesome. Dango, this has been so amazing, dude. I loved uh, catching up with you. I'm just going to ask you one or two more questions and before I let you go on your way. Um, 
we talked about flow states earlier, so I just wanted to sort of tune in with you on on how do you get into a flow state, and what are the, some of the things that help you get there, and what are some of the things that trigger you out of it? You know, it's funny. Uh, I was just thinking about Avatar: The Last Airbender. Have you ever seen that uh-huh. cartoon? Did you watch it with your kids? No, my kids loved it, but I never watched it with them. Oh my god, it's it's so great. It's the best. Um, he used to talk about. It. I'm like, wow, that's some profound stuff going on in that cartoon, man. It is profound, and, they, and yeah. it's all about flow state. Like when you get is into it? the avatar state, it's like getting into the flow state, like the ultimate oh, flow state. That's so awesome. So anybody out there that has not watched the children's cartoon Avatar: The Last Airbender, <laughs> I highly recommend it. I actually rewatched it this year. No way. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's something I can do with my son because he was really into it. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He would see it in whole new lights too. It's like got all this, all the great Earth wisdom. Um, but but flow state in general. Uh, well, it comes at different times, right? So like. Mm. Meditation for me is once the, once the third eye or like the pineal gland opens up and there's like a pulsating, mm. like I try to sink there. And to me, that's, that's like practicing flow state. Mm. I just want to ask you, did you opening your pineal gland? Did you do that purposefully? Is that something you practice or it just come natural to you? Well, I was mentioning light club before. Ah, uh, um, yes. With that light. Of course. Um, that light actually is supposed to decalcify. Like one Ooh. of the scientific research is how it actually decalcifies your pineal gland. Wow. So it's just fascinating. Cool. But that's sort of what I utilize that practice for is actually staying with it. Mm. So um, it's like following these sacred geometric shapes and figures as the light uh, flashes at different spectrums and mm. staying with it is like it's deep practice. Mm. Um, so that's more like on the meditation plane. Uh, but in music, um, yeah, I, I mean, really cool improvisation, you know, or like mm. when you're really connected with, with someone or you're just really connected to the music, you know, it's, it's flow state and in shows mm. when things are going really well, music is one of the greatest elements of flow state. And then, uh, as a bass player too, um, I could just get so locked in to the precision mm. of rhythm and be in such a flow state. And I think that's something I take for granted is that I spent 17 years on the road, um, primarily as a bass player. Right. Mm. And I pretty much was fortunate enough to uh, be in that flow state every, every night. Wow. And I Super think that's something. Yeah, they definitely take for granted. Yeah. Uh, wow. But also on the river, man, uh, I definitely experienced flow state on the river, like kayaking or, mm. you know, and uh, being way up in the mountains. And I know so many people are into dance and like ecstatic dance and all of it. And like live painting at shows or just, mm. you know, a potter in his studio you know, throwing on a wheel. Mm. It's all flow state. Yeah. Or even, uh, even like, uh, you know, writers, uh, obviously when you're in a writing flow or runners, my neighbor is mm. a marathon runner. Mm. Why does he do it? Mm. Flow state. Totally. So yeah. Well, flow state jam. Awesome. Surfing. Right. Yeah, no surfing. Boring. I was just going to mention that surfing is definitely a meditative flow state for me. And uh, everything you you described, connection with nature, losing of oneself, like radical presence, time and space evaporates, you know, just fully in the moment. You know, and that's you're not thinking about anything else. You're not you're not thinking about your your taxes or your relationship or anything. You're just fully present in that moment. You know, that's such a beautiful way to be. It is such a beautiful way to be. And then I, I got to wonder, like, for, like, an amazing accountant who's, like, a magician with numbers, <laughs> does, That's flow does state he for him. experience flow state? Yeah, is that flow Absolutely. state? Absolutely. 100%. Definitely. <laughs> flow state does not discriminate. No, no. Absolutely. <laughs> We're all living and vibrating on very yeah, similar totally. frequencies. Totally. 
Uh, okay, two more questions before I let you go, brother. This has been so awesome. Um, but I'd love to know, are you uh, reading anything that's, or have you read anything in the last little while that uh, that's really stood out for you, changed your life? Yeah, I've, uh, I've revisited uh, some of the works by Maladoma Somme. So I've been okay. reading Of Water and the Spirit and the Healing Wisdom of Africa. Wow. Uh, so Maladoma Somme is an awesome shaman uh, who sort of bridged both worlds of the African indigenous uh, wisdom uh, and the West. So he's, he's like one of those teachers who has bridged the gap and he, mm. he still comes over here and does workshops and rituals. And his books are amazing of water and the spirit uh, is the one awesome. that I'm rereading right now and the healing wisdom of Africa. There's so much amazing wisdom in that book. Ooh, that sounds super powerful. I'll definitely have to check that out. And I'll put uh, all those in the show notes so other people can check them out as well. And there's one more book I always go back to, and it's called The War of Art by Stephen Oh, Pressfield. yes. Dude, it's a masterpiece. Any artist, anybody should read that. Everybody should read that book. It's so true. And it's, it's yeah. so much related to what we were talking about today about showing up you know, totally. as an artist. Totally. I keep it on my bedstand along with The Artist's Way. That's just my go-to books, you know, whenever I'm... <laughs> having any resistance i just pick those up it's such a great reminder right there with you buddy yeah brother okay last question for you bro before i let you go and it's this if you were to take all of your experiences all the knowledge and wisdom gained distill them down into one message one sentence what would it be never give up on the truth that exists within your beating heart mm. amen aho beautiful dango rose this has been such a pleasure and an honor to drop in with you again today uh let people know where they can find you where are you online yeah so uh dangorose.com is the easiest okay uh, also you can see what i've been doing with uh the studio and the artist empowerment work at elephantcollective.com and then on spotify if you just search dango rose you'll be able to hear some of my music and then also for the band elephant revival Search that on Spotify. We got many albums uh, and I hope you enjoy. Amazing. Once again, I'll put all those links in the show notes for the audience. And once again, thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom today, brother. Thanks, Patrick. It's great to drop in. All right, man. We'll see you real soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe 